Good morning to you again. We are continuing this series in uh, Peter's first letter, uh, looking at uh, what he's saying um, to a suffering church um, and uh, one living in suffering and in exile, um, alienated from the culture around them and longing to um, be uh, to know Jesus better. A situation just like ours. We're going to pray now that uh, we would be able to hear God speak to us as we look at this together. Let's do that now. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we have to look at your word. And please, would you continue to encourage us through this letter that speaks to us in our situation here, not just when we're suffering and when we are feeling the particular pains of this season, but in all of the seasons of our lives. Thank you that you speak by your Holy Spirit. You have words that will sustain us throughout our lives into eternity if we're trusting in Jesus. Help us to do that today. And we pray that you would be equipping us to serve you whatever the coming days and weeks bring. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be looking at verses 10 to 12, which is on um, page, uh, or in my Bible is on page 953. Uh, verses 10 to 12 on, um, of, of Peter's first letter. Do you find this easy to feel dissatisfied in this season? Maybe that's a bit of an understatement, if you're honest. You know, there's so much going on at the moment that is deeply challenging for many of us. Too much to do, too little to do for some, too much time with one small group of people or no time with any people. Too much time feeling very stressed at work uh, or, or, on the other hand, not being able to work or worrying about the future. We've heard in the last few weeks in 1 Peter about the glorious future inheritance that is waiting for Christians as we wait for the new heavens and the new earth. There is life. There is hope beyond the grave. And as Peter writes this um, letter to us, he reminds us and reminds his readers that there are now trials. There are uh, difficulties in our circumstances. We heard uh, two weeks ago when we looked at verses six to nine, there are trials and hard times. And if we're not careful, it all starts to sound like another chore that we don't particularly find appealing. You know, uh, eat your vegetables, Take your medicine, do your homework, go for a run, get the ironing done, tick off another homeschool lesson. The problem with chores is that it's very easy to lose sight of the point of them. You know, they do have a point. There is a, these things do need to be done, and they're usually worthy and sensible things to do. But despite all that, it's hard to muster the joy in the moment. And I wonder if lockdown sometimes feels like that. Oh, but somebody will say, you know, just remember how much better we've got it than, every, than everyone else. You know, you, you may think that you don't have enough space to let off steam. Well, here's somebody else over here who has to make do with even less. You know, you could be living in the third world where the concern is not will we die of COVID-19, but will we still eat if the government tells everyone to stay indoors? It may objectively be true that other people are suffering more than me, but actually that doesn't, doesn't give me joy. It, what, what that does when I'm forced to think about that is it gives me guilt on top 
of the joylessness. And so I, I grit my teeth and I kind of say, well, you know, I'm trusting in Jesus. I'm trusting that he died for me. Thank you, God, for what is coming in eternity because of what Jesus has done. But do you know what? Life is now still really hard. It's really painful. So I guess I just need to suck it up, get on with it. Well, this morning we're getting to the end of this long sentence that Peter begins his letter with. This long sentence at the start of his letter. Peter wants to say to us, slow down. If you're feeling like how I've just described, slow down. Do you realise how privileged you are, he's saying to us. And we say, privileged? You know, come off it. There's nothing privileged about this situation that we're in. And he says, the salvation that you have, that we began to hear about at the end of verse 9, that guaranteed and that glorious inheritance. Let, let me tell you how privileged you are to have this salvation in your present suffering circumstances. You are privileged beyond your, beyond your dreams, says Peter. He says, let me tell you about two groups of people, two, two groups of beings, in fact, who would you know what? They would give anything to have what you have, to know what you know, to be where you are. We say, really? I mean, really? That doesn't sound right. You know, they'd want to swap what they have to be in, in North London in 2020 under coronavirus, stuck at home, limited in what you can do, unable to meet with your church family and other loved ones. What could they possibly envy about this situation? And Peter says, let me tell you about the prophets and the angels and how they felt about the salvation that you now have. What would the prophets say, first of all? Remember, we're looking at verses 10 to 12. What would the prophets say? They'd say Christians are historically privileged historically privileged how do they help us realize how privileged we are these prophets well <clears throat> okay think of what other religions claim about their prophets when muhammad wrote the quran he pretty much appeared out of the blue one day and he said here is what god has told me here's what he's revealed to me in the cave now you need to go and do what god has revealed to me when um, Joseph Smith wrote the Book of Mormon, you know, he came back in from doing the gardening one day and he said, an angel has appeared to me. Now you need to go and do what I've been told. And many other religions are similar. You know, a prophet comes and says, this is what God says, go and do it. And, and we might reply that, how do I really know what you said is from God? And they say, well, it is. You're just going to have to accept it. It is. Deal with it. But Christianity is completely different because it centers on Jesus. It centers not just on God's telling us to do things, but on God himself doing something in history, in a person, in God himself coming to earth as a man. And so it's as much about what Jesus did, how he suffered, as Peter says in these verses, it's as much about what he did as, as about what he said. You know, what he did is a matter of historical record. You can investigate the evidence, whether he did the miracles that the Gospels record. But for Muhammad in his cave, did he hear from God? 
or didn't he? Well, who can say? I mean, how do you measure these things? But with Jesus, we don't just have eyewitness testimony from his time. We have the testimony of the prophets in advance, foretelling hundreds of years beforehand that he would suffer and die. Now, the, the prophets is a catch-all term for people like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, Amos. But also in that category is included the psalmists like King David, whose psalms imagine in advance the suffering of the Messiah. And all through the Old Testament, and particularly in, in the prophets, we see ways in which what Jesus did and how he suffered is anticipated. And we heard one example of that in, in, in Psalm 22 that Corin read for us. Another example of a famous example would be Isaiah 50, chapter 53. These are things which are written hundreds of years before Jesus came. And they speak of one who was pierced whose clothing was divided one who cries out you know psalm 22 my god my god why have you forsaken me one who was ridiculed by people saying he saved others why does he not save himself now how does it help to see these things in advance hundreds of years in advance before they happened in the life of jesus why, why does that help us and privilege us well, think about if you told me you'd seen the Queen on Hampstead Heath. She was there yesterday, you say, the, the, the Queen. She was down by the athletics track. I saw her, you tell me, with my own eyes. You know, there was huge security. There was helicopters. There was men in dark suits and black sunglasses. There was the, the, the full works. And I say to you, look, look, don't be ridiculous. The Queen wouldn't do that. I mean, she's locked down in Windsor Castle. We all know that. She, she, you know, why would she come to Parliament Hill? Are you sure it wasn't somebody else? And then you show me a newspaper from a few days ago. And it says, on Saturday, Her Majesty the Queen will be visiting Hampstead Heath to meet with Prince William for a socially distanced walk. And it sounds completely implausible for so many reasons. But if the newspaper foretold it and the eyewitness, you, the eyewitness, saw it, well, can I really argue with it? And see, the point that, that, that Peter's making is the prophets foretold what happened, which helps us to see why we today can believe it. But then more than that, he tells us, if you look, he tells us that they searched and inquired to find out uh, what, who and when um, what they foretold would happen, who it would be, when it would happen. And it was revealed, verse 12, to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, Peter says, you readers. Peter's point to his suffering readers who feel like life is difficult is that they have it so much better than the prophets who came before them. It's not that they were different from the prophets in every way, that they're still waiting for the future inheritance of verses four and five, like the prophets did. They're longing for something future like the prophets were, but they also know what the prophets could only see from a distance. They know for sure. They know 
that Jesus has suffered and died. Now, we often think, you know, things were better in the past. And in this situation, Peter's readers might think, well, do you know what? The prophets had God talking to them directly. And Peter says, the same Holy Spirit who brought God's words to them, he has brought God's words to you who have believed in Jesus now. But more than that, he's saying you're like people coming in at the end of a massive building project. The one that comes to my mind to think about this is the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona. It's an extraordinary cathedral designed by Antoni Gaudi. Antonio Gaudi died in 1926. Now, I'm not convinced that this cathedral will ever be used for, for preaching the biblical gospel, but that, that's not really the point. On any measure, if you've been there and you've seen it at any stage of its construction, on any measure, this is a unique and remarkable piece of architecture with mind-blowing detail carved into every nook and cranny of the building. But in 2020, the cathedral designed by Gaudi over 100 years ago is still not finished. And they, they think they may just about finish it for the centenary of his death in 2026. Gaudi saw it. He saw the design of it, if you like. He saw it in advance. He is the designer, in fact. But he never got to see it completed. But we will, God willing. And, and we, we can even now, when we're not in lockdown, you can go to Barcelona and you can see something that is very, very near completion. A unique Catalan modernist building with extraordinary details. What a, what a privilege. That's the situation Peter's readers were in, says Peter. Even though they're suffering, understand that this was what the prophets foretold, that Jesus would suffer and glory would follow. And now it's the same for his followers. As we keep seeing in this letter, what is true of Jesus is true of his followers. There is Jesus-shaped suffering for his followers, but there is also Jesus-shaped glory to come in that inheritance that he's been speaking about. You know, wouldn't, wouldn't Gaudi have longed to live to see his cathedral completed? Wouldn't the prophets have longed to live to see the one they had pointed forwards to? We are historically privileged. And whether we're not yet trusting in Jesus or whether we've been following him for years, this is really important to understand. And it's really easy to misunderstand it. Because put it this way, is there a better time in history in which we could have lived? That's the question. In one sense, we might say, well, of, of course there is. Anything would be better than what we're in right now. I mean, surely that's obvious. Six months ago was better than this. But the, the prophets will reply to us. Don't you understand the basic pattern of history? Don't you understand what we spent our entire ministries devoted to searching about, inquiring about, trying to work out what it was about? That God's king would suffer, but through his suffering, he would bring sure and certain glory. Don't you understand how unusual it is, therefore, for God's people not to suffer? Because that is the pattern set by their saviour. Don't you understand the privilege of getting to be those who come after the saviour has come, who aren't still waiting for him and wondering who and when and what, but can see him clearly and can see what he has done. 
so that we can, as he calls us to, deny ourselves, take up our crosses and follow him. Of course it's painful. Of course it means days that are full of tears. But Peter is saying, never underestimate the privilege of being those who get to follow their saviour through suffering into glory. When the Church of England's Book of Common Prayer was written in the 16th and 17th centuries, it included a prayer for times of plague and sickness. And this remains the, the, the standard thing that all Christians used in this country, or many of them, um, for, 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 for hundreds of years. Um, but in the 20th century, the Book of Common Prayer was revised and its language was modernised for understandable reasons. But with that, prayers for times of plague were quietly removed we don't we don't need this in the 20th century i guess it was thought you know we 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 move beyond some times of panic we're safe and secure but that isn't the pattern that the prophets predicted that isn't the pattern that jesus set for his people these times that we're in now remind us of that and peter and the prophets would have us remember we are historically privileged but then the angels come in and add to that sense of privilege even more. So the end of verse 12 then, we are cosmically privileged. We've seen we're historically privileged, now we see we are cosmically privileged. Even angels long to look into these things. It's as if we're asked to imagine, you know, what, what, what might angels wait, uh, be wanting to concern themselves with uh, on earth as they look down from heaven, if you can imagine them? doing that they've got plenty of things to to look at in heaven they can look at god himself but they're they're looking away from that onto earth and what what might they look at we had that video on google earth last week you know what might they zoom in on to have a look at would it be you know 10 downing street the houses of parliament the white house the lives of celebrities that we've all heard of they they, they might want to know you know who who are the youtube and instagram stars of the moment what is capturing people's attention on tv What's getting the ratings? Where is the news focusing on? And, and you know, those, those are all good things. There's nothing wrong with them in and of themselves. But that's not ultimately what angels long to look into. Verse 12, they long to look into Christians telling others about Jesus who suffered and rose. And they long to look into those people hearing about Jesus and putting their faith in him. That's what they want on angel TV. That's what they're going to binge on during angel lockdown if they have to go through that. Footage, if you like, of people speaking and hearing about Jesus who suffered and died and rose. Now imagine if we ever find a vaccine for COVID-19, for coronavirus, it will be, that will be huge news, won't it? Can you imagine the joy? Can you imagine the day that they prove that it works and the sense of relief as people are able to return to, to, to the, you know, relatively normal life? And we should pray for that. Of course we should. But do we realise the thing that makes angels rejoice more than anything else is whenever someone comes to trust this saviour who suffered and died and rose or they rejoice when somebody suffers and finds life difficult but keeps trusting Jesus nevertheless gets up for another day 
trusting Jesus, living for him, doing the homeschooling, <clears throat> making tough decisions at work, dealing with loneliness or insecurity or fears for the future or mental health issues. We think, you know, but that's all so mundane. It's, it's completely insignificant. No, the angels say, get a load of this. If you think of a massive stadium or an auditorium, you know, suffering Christians easily feel like they're right at the back, forgotten by God, rejected by everyone else, while the action continues on stage with the spotlight on whatever our culture is celebrating at the time. And that won't be Jesus. You can guarantee that. But Peter is saying it's the other way round, as far as the angels are concerned. Christians, while you suffer in the footsteps of your saviour, angels are cheering you on. That is Peter's message to us. This is the main event. This is where the action is. This is what we were created for, to follow in the footsteps of our saviour. Don't be deceived. And if you're not yet trusting in Jesus, understand that this is what Christians are called to. It's not a life where we click our fingers and everything is made uh, normal again or, or, or even bearable for our daily lives. It may be that we go through times that are unbearable, that feel really, really painful and difficult. But that's because Christians are called to follow Jesus who first suffered and died but then through that rose. And that is why Christians always, in the face of the suffering that we face now, whatever that looks like, can face the future with hope, can face the future knowing that they have a saviour who travels with them through the valley of the shadow of death and through trials and through suffering. That is what we are holding out to you as a church not come and have all your problems fixed now, but come and know that hope for the future and come and know this God who has come into the world and suffered. Know the historic privilege and the cosmic privilege of knowing this saviour now today. So if we're tempted to dissatisfaction at our lot, let's remember the privilege of what we have in Christ and let's never forget that and let's keep encouraging each other with that as we seek to keep trusting him day by day. Father God, thank you for these words. May we never lose sight of the privilege of what we have in Christ and of living where we are today, knowing what we know about him and seeing clearly how he suffered and died and rose. May we never lose sight of that. May, we, may that continue to, to, to be what we focus on and rejoice in. And in the, the hard times that we face, even now, right now, in our daily lives, and even more generally, may we have the confidence to trust in Jesus, to, to rejoice in him as this first chapter of 1 Peter has been calling us to, to rejoice in what we have in Christ and then to, as we're spurred on through that, to, to encourage each other. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.